Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. After last week's fascinating discussion on leadership with Dr. Aidan Harney, I'm flying solo again this week. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, do give it a listen. It's one of my favourite episodes. It was a really great conversation on the topic of leadership and what maybe modern leadership looks like. Um, and my thanks again to Aidan for being so generous with his insights and thoughts and, and sharing the findings of his uh, PhD uh, research. So this week, as I say, it's back to just me, and I'm going to delve into a topic that is generally associated with business and leadership, but it's one that I feel is equally applicable more broadly, and that's strategic thinking. In that regard, I think it's a little bit similar to maybe time management or organisational skills or even goal setting, you know, some of those concepts that are common in the world of work, but they can serve us in a more holistic way. For some people, strategic thinking is a key aspect of their role. Uh, for others, it's a skill that they want to enhance or, or simply make more time for. And of course, for some people, they come across it on a job description as a competency that will be assessed at an interview. And as I say, it's something that is associated with the world of work, you know, focusing on the bigger picture, having a longer term focus um, thinking more strategically, though, is something that will benefit us in our careers. And as I say, even more broadly in personal life. So a little strategic thinking, you know, is beneficial at any time, but it's a useful tool to have in your tool set during these times of change and challenge when most of us have been forced to step back and reassess our businesses, our career or indeed life in general. Um, when we're pushed outside our comfort zones, we often have no choice but to instigate change. And this brings us firmly into the territory of strategic thinking, the ability to see the bigger picture and to, to plot a purposeful course forward. So this week, I'm going to look at the key components of strategic thinking, but then I'm going to take you through an approach that I use when I work with leadership teams, when we're brainstorming strategy, and also technique that I use with uh, personal coaching clients when it's relevant. And when I work with interview skills coaching clients too, of course, strategic thinking, especially at senior levels, is often included as an essential aspect of the role or a core competency. And sometimes we have to do a little brainstorming around what strategic thinking means to the client so that they can find language that they're comfortable with. Um, with so many business terms, you know, language, even something like strategic thinking can seem a little bit alien to people. So I like to bring it down into, into concepts that are very practical and applicable. And that's where we're going to start. To be a better strategic thinker, to enhance your strategic thinking skills, it helps to focus on three key areas. Uh, the first is acknowledging your present reality. This involves the facts and the figures, the evidence that supports your honest assessment of your current situation. In a personal life context, it might be income levels, bank account details, or, you know, in a work context, sales figures, turnover, staff retention levels. If social media is a key aspect of your business, it might be engagement levels or leads converted. You know, here we want to avoid wishful thinking or sticking our head in the sand. It's a, it's a time for realism. Here I often use the analogy of, 
you know, when when we could back in the day, you know, go into large uh, shopping centers and we're looking to locate a particular store. Let's say it's a bookstore and you look on the in, at the information kiosk and the first thing you look for might be the store you're you're heading towards uh, but very quickly you want to establish where you actually are you know you're looking for the arrow you are here and um, because without a clear sense of where you are it's very difficult to move in the direction that you want to go uh, the second aspect at the heart of strategic thinking of course is shaping your vision uh, your vision for the future and there will be two main inputs for this. One will be the external influences. You know, they will have a role to play, the opportunities, the threats that are present in your environment. And here are some of the models where you've probably come across their, their, the names before, things like a SWOT analysis or a PEST analysis, where the PEST stands for Political, Economical, Economic, Social and Technological um, Threats or Challenges. And of course, there's a modern version of the PEST uh, model, which has turned it into PESTL. So we've added on a little EL at the end. So in addition to political, economic, social, technological, you now have environmental and legal. And that just gives us some, um, uh, some avenues for assessing the challenges or threats, particularly in a, in a business context. Um, and of course, then you get some some big challenges like the COVID crisis or indeed Brexit that can impact across all of those different um, those different avenues. Um, so that's the external input into uh, strategic thinking or shaping the future. Um, but of course, your vision will also be driven by your intrinsic motivation, what it is that you want to create, you know, goals, dreams, or even, a, you know, from a personal life perspective, a life purpose. Um, or, you know, in a business context, you know, our wider vision, what we're trying to achieve. So an engaging vision becomes your North Star. Um, and then the third component of strategic thinking is bridging that gap between where you are now and where you wish to be. And that's where you begin to identify the, the projects, the initiatives, the actions, the tasks that allow you to progress in the direction you wish to go. I like to keep things simple when it comes to strategic thinking or, or very practical. And sometimes people can get confused with the terminology. Uh, another way I look at it is through the lens of just a few key questions. You know, where are we now? Uh, where do we want to go? Or what is it that I want to create? How are we going to bridge the gap between where I am now or where we want to be? And then maybe a fourth one. Um, why is that important? Because the why will always lead us into the space of motivation. If we want to get really clever with it, we can throw in another question, which is what are the risks that need to be managed? So there are some of the key components of strategic thinking. But what I want to do for the rest of this week's episode is take you through something that I think you will find beneficial. Um, it's my approach to strategic thinking. It's the how I go about doing it. It's the, the method I use when I want to do some strategic thinking for myself and my business. Um, I use it when I work with business groups, leadership teams, and also with coaching clients, often in the area of career development or career fulfillment. And my approach is centered on questions as opposed to answers. Now, maybe I'm biased here because I'm a coach. And as I always say, questions are the tools of my trade. 
But with, I don't know, 20 years experience in this field, I found that this question first approach is the most effective. And there's a few wise quotes out there that support my thinking. And I fall back on these time and time again. The first one is by Carl Jung. He says, to ask the right question is already half the solution of a problem. Um, And I sort of sense that that's true. Certainly for for me and my experience, it's true. You know, strategic thinking starts with a good brainstorm and a good brainstorm starts with good questions. It was Einstein who said that if you gave him an hour to solve a problem and his life depended on getting the answer right, he would spend 55 minutes figuring out what questions to ask. For if I knew the proper questions, he said, I could solve the problem in less than five minutes. Um, my main coaching book, Soar, that is 10 years old now, I can't believe that, um, uh, has the subtitle, Powerful Questions That Will Transform Your Life. And it's all based on questions. Now, there's more in it than questions, but that's the structure of it. And that book came out of a Word document that I started nearly 20 years ago when I moved into the coaching world, uh, where I collect and I still collect powerful questions, you know, questions that I think are what I would often label really wisdom, uh, wisdom seeking questions. And uh, that document, uh, which is still a live document for me, uh, became the foundation of that book, Soar. So as I say, when I work with management teams and shaping strategy or coaching clients on their personal life vision and goals, we don't jump straight into traditional brainstorming of answers or solutions. We start by brainstorming questions. And there are several reasons why I believe this is a, is an effective or an optimal approach. You know, in, in times of crisis, fresh thinking is required and new questions lead to new insights and perspectives. Engaging and solution-focused questions empower and inspire us. They're the platform for creativity and innovation. Brainstorming for questions makes it easier to venture into uncharted territory. There's a freedom to it and less pressure to come up with solutions straight away. Spending time identifying questions helps us move beyond limiting assumptions or outlooks that may no longer be valid. And of course, that one is particularly through wearing my coaching hat because questions allow us to move beyond maybe existing habits of thinking. Uh, Also, when I work with groups in this area, you know, managers can temporarily step out of their habit of offering solutions and just lean into curiosity and lateral thinking. Asking questions is simply how we learn when you think about it. Think of the kids asking questions. Why? Why? Um, It it also eases social anxiety, you know, the fear that people can have um, as their ideas and, you know, they wonder how their ideas and contributions will be judged. Um, And it also minimizes in a a work sort of brainstorming scenario, uh, people coasting on the contributions of of others, you know, where they take a, a solution or an idea and they run with it. Whereas with the question, it's really much more just standalone. But at the highest level, all strategies and plans and indeed companies exist as answers to questions. So therefore, it makes sense to go back to the fundamentals and refocus on questions that compel us and propel us forward. I also find that the question first approach works because the people I work with are the experts on their lives and their businesses. So when I facilitate uh, strategy sessions and we take this question first approach, it reinforces that they're the only ones who can identify solutions for their particular situation. You know, it also avoids the the not invented here mindset. 
um, you know, when people feel something ex- external is, um, is imposed upon them. Uh, of course, conversations drive businesses. And if we're seeking change in our personal lives, this will also involve new conversations. You know, traditional brainstorming questions such as, you know, how do I or how do we define success? What would we like to achieve over the next year? Or what are our customers seeking from us now and into the future? You know, they're all good questions. They will stimulate healthy conversation and they'll generate ideas. But I'm going to share with you now some examples of questions that have come out of strategy sessions where we focused on spending time brainstorming the questions first. And I want you just to notice the difference. So I'm going to share with you a few questions that I think you'll find useful yourself, but I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory around them as well to set a little concept context. This first question was the result of maybe 90 minutes brainstorming with a management team in a tech firm. And they had brainstormed some good questions. But then just before we broke for lunch, uh, one of the, the managers shared this question. And it's, how can we educate our stakeholders as to the value we create for them? There was practically gasps in the room. Uh, I'll repeat that question again. How can we educate our stakeholders as to the value we create for them? Now, I find the how can I or the how can we question structure works well because it fosters inclusion and a sense of control and proactivity. Uh, Needless to say, with that group in the afternoon, there were several flip chart pages full of potential answers or solutions to to that question. Um, And it really helped to focus the mind, which, of course, is what a great question will do. Another one that, uh, that that I remember, because, of course, there's been loads in this area, but there's a few questions that I, I've really sort of remembered and, and used myself. Um, another one here was, how can we positively surprise and delight our people, our staff, in subtle and personalised ways? You know, this one came from another senior team in an organisation where the culture was one very much of supporting staff and their contributions. You know, I'm quite sure there are many companies out there, you know, whose management teams would find it difficult to get around a question such as this. How can we positively surprise and delight our people in subtle and personalised ways? Um, And again, with a question, it can be as long or as short as it needs to be. But uh, that one, you know, in in subtle and personalised ways, I think opens up uh, new new, uh, new avenues of thinking. You know, I'll also remember a while back working with a senior manager in a large organization, and we were focusing on honing his communication and presentation skills. Now, we didn't spend too long brainstorming questions, you know, to, but, but we did a little, you know, to focus on his specific outcomes for working with me. And I did say to him, you know, at the highest level, all presentations are the answer to a question or questions. You know, for example, it could be something like, what's the status of this project or how are we going to instigate change? And the presentation exists as an answer to that. I also mentioned to him that, you know, at the core of his role in the organization is a question or questions and it's his job to live the answer. Now, that's a that's a deep one. Um, that's a deep one to share with you this week. Um, but the client was a reflective person. And I always like to plant some seeds and see how their mind runs with it. But after a few minutes of conversation in this area, together we identified the question at the heart of what he was trying to achieve. And that question was, how can I discern and effectively share the simplicity that's found on the far side of complexity? Now, there's a question that bears repeating. How can I discern and effectively share the simplicity that's found on the far side of complexity? 
Now, that's a question that I think is relevant to really all senior leaders and politicians. You know, it's not just about communication nowadays. There's plenty of that. It's a noisy world full of information and data. You know, we can only comprehend and process a limited amount of information. You know, so that question, how can I discern and effectively share the simplicity that's found on the far side of complexity? You know, this really helped that client to focus exactly on what he wanted to do in his role. And a powerful question like that really acts as a North Star, something to navigate by. Over the last few months, I've worked with clients who have brainstormed questions to help them focus and think strategically during the COVID crisis. Um, some of the questions that, that I've noted from those sessions include, you know, how can we acknowledge and value colleagues' contributions in these difficult times? Um, and I love the simplicity of this one. How can we wow our customers? Uh, how can we wow our customers? You know, there's great energy to that one. Or how can we energize, engage and motivate our staff in new and novel ways? And again, that one around new and novel ways, I think, gives us permission to, to think more, more laterally. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll balance that how can I or how can we empowered thinking approach with some contingency based thinking that's all about risk identification. You know, the question structure here tends to start with the questions, what if? You know, what if our bank fails? What if there's a global pandemic? You know, I don't think even the most pessimistic brainstormer would have identified these risks uh, or these realities. Um, but questions allow us to move beyond accepted norms. Uh, it can be useful, especially in a work context, to brainstorm the contingency what if questions across the pestle uh, model that I mentioned earlier. You know, what if there's political instability? What if our technology fails? What if we come under pressure from environmental groups? Uh, what if there's new legislation? What if there's a recession? And of course, we can bring that contingency-based thinking into personal life as well. What if I lose my job? Or what if I have a salary or an income reduction? What if my savings run out? What if I get sick? Now, the what if questions prompt us to take preventative or preemptive action in the present moment. It's not about getting stuck in the in the quagmire of despair or pessimism. You know, let's remember that negative thinking can always spiral. It's where we get that phrase mountains out of molehills. So if I am working with an individual or a group and we are doing this contingency thinking, I tend to sandwich it in the middle. We certainly don't want to leave a session in that place. The question first approach when it comes to strategic thinking or shaping a vision for ourselves, for our careers, for our business, it's one that I've used with personal coaching clients as well over the years. And as mentioned, it's at the heart of my book, Soar, which, as I say, has a subtitle, Powerful Questions That Will Transform Your Life. And it looks at, you know, all the different ways we define success or the different components of success across career, finances, emotions, relationships, health, uh, wellness, fun. But I wanted to share with you a few uh, powerful questions that uh, coaching clients have come up with over the years when I've worked with them. And these are ones that I've sort of taken for myself as well. Uh, how can I fully step into the person I've been practicing to become? Now, there's a powerful question. I remember it was a young golfer who shared that one with me. He had a very clear concept of where he wanted to go to in his career. 
and um, almost like walking down the timeline and sending some advice back to oneself. But it's one that I think is applicable, you know, for all of us. How can I fully step into the person I've been practicing to become? Another one, in how many ways can I celebrate and savor all that is great in my life? Wonderful question that for getting us into the space of appreciation and gratitude. What's possible for me over the next five years? That sense of possibility, opportunity, potential, you know, what's possible for me is, is a very broad uh, question, you know, gives us that sense of whiteboard thinking almost. How can I leverage my experience and expertise? You know, for a lot of us, we maybe don't fully own or acknowledge our experience and expertise that we've gained and developed and honed over the years. You know, how can I leverage it? How can I maximize it? How can I utilize it? You know, and then the last one, what approach would make me proud of myself? That's one that I use frequently and I've shared with the, shared it with people in different contexts before. But if we're confused about a course to take, a decision to make, how to respond in a scenario, always using proud as a, as a filter uh, works well. Uh, turning it into a question, I think, is very powerful. What approach would make me feel proud about myself? So you will know when you strike on what I label a powerful question because you will feel it. You know, the question will intrigue you. There will be a jolt of energy, a sense of excitement, even liberation, and an eagerness to get the sleeves rolled up and to explore ways of answering it. You know, as one client poetically said, it's like I found a hidden door and I'm eager, eager to discover what's behind it. You know, I call it the bullseye moment or an aha moment. You know, so rather than just throwing ideas around, you've identified a target. And because the brain is a question and answer mechanism, the minute you pose an engaging question, your brain will seek ways to answer it. And the brainstorming that follows, whether it's journaling yourself or whether it's on a flip chart with a group, you know, that brainstorming will be rich and meaningful. If you listen to my podcast every week, you'll know a few weeks ago I was joined by my friend Nick Williams, the speaker and author, um, and again, fascinating episode if you haven't heard it. But he also speaks about how your entire life or career could be an answer to an overriding question. And that certainly rings true for me. Now, this is taking strategic thinking to its nth degree almost. I remember about 15 years ago being at a workshop and in that workshop you were invited to to compose questions that, you know, help you focus on where you want to go or what you stand for or your purpose in life. And I remember um, coming out of that workshop with the question, how can I inspire others by being my true self today? And that for me really gripped my heart uh, is the phrase I would use. How can I inspire others by being my true self today? And I continue to answer that question, you know, 15 years on in new and maybe even more meaningful ways from the blogs I write to the work I do with individuals and groups. And of course, even this podcast, in a way, is an answer to that question. And in recent times, I've I've sort of played with it a little. So it almost loops back on itself. You know, how can I inspire others to be their true selves today? And a question like that continues to um, to engage my mind and it keeps me focused on on what it is I like to do. And maybe it goes to the heart of of how I'm being of service to the world. So we're almost at the close this week. I hope you found my musings on strategic thinking uh, helpful. Um, I have a few closing reflections to share with you. 
But by way of a quick recap, I shared some of those key components of strategic thinking, you know, the traditional practical approach. Where are you now? Where do you want to get to? Um, and how can you close the gap between the two? And maybe adding in, you know, why is that important or what are the risks that would uh, would get in the way or the pitfalls to avoid? Um, then I shared with you my questions first approach. I hope you found that helpful. Um, it's how I work with groups and, and coaching clients. And it's and it's how we we maybe get results in a way that is um, is most effective. And hopefully those questions that I shared with you, maybe some of them even resonated. You can take them and run with them yourself or they've inspired you to to maybe think about some questions first as opposed to answers. You know, as the motivational speaker and author Tony Robbins says, the quality of your life is a direct reflection of the quality of the questions you are asking yourself. You know, that's true for business strategy as well. You know, there are many situations in life where we have to answer questions that others ask of us, whether that's at a job interview or sitting an exam, and we're rated for how well we answer questions that someone else poses. You know, but with this approach to strategic thinking, we get to set our own questions. New ideas, new answers, new solutions will follow when we ask new questions. You know, in this way, the question is really the answer. And with this thinking in mind, you know, having listened through my musings this week, what might be some useful or empowering questions that you could ask yourself today um, or in the in the week ahead? So thank you for tuning in. Um, I, if you found this episode of benefit, you know, please consider giving me a review or a rating or sharing it with a, with a colleague or a friend who you might find who, who might find it useful. So thank you again. And until next week.